be together. Yeah. Nice to have the extended family here. Uh, Brother Russ, can you uh, you want to introduce uh, those that with you that we haven't met yet? You know, Brother Serge there beside you. Yeah. Are you Ken Serge? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I will try. Okay. <laughs> okay, uh, we have a big team. Good morning, yeah. everyone. So, Russ, you know Russ, everybody. This is my wife, Mila. Hey. Hi. Sergey, he doesn't speak English like me normally, well, I mean. <laughs> but he is a good singer. Yeah. <laughs> all him. He can play Jewish songs, really good one. And he has like opera voice. You know? So, you will have a free concert if you want. <laughs> Victor and his wife, Zena. Welcome. So, we are. Bless you, people. We so hope you get blessing from you as well. So, if you want us to share some word, maybe Victor or like Georgie or the Russ, we'll speak. Well, thank you for coming. Glad to have you with us. And you folks, Victor, you folks are from Delta, right? Right. Okay. All of them are local except my wife and Georgie. Georgie actually local too because he got land like not far away from the uh, bullpen. Okay. Like on Rika's <laughs> So he's your neighbor, basically. Great. <laughs> so anytime he's here, you can call him and he will yeah. serve you with a card. <laughs> All right? Well, thank you. Yeah. They, they made up a, uh, for some of the losses of our ranks here that are uh, in, not losses, but just quite a few out with uh, two crews fishing. But um, if you haven't heard the first crew they had some difficulty with the lower end on the boat motor, but uh, I was told they got 360, 70 fish. Anybody else confirm that? <coughs> Pardon me? That was what I heard. Yeah. So they'll be returning today, I believe, and the second crew left to hear about, you know, you probably passed them going up river, but about seven o'clock, so let's keep them in prayer. Anyway, um, I'm reminded of Lamentations Three, it is of the Lord's mercies, all right? It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. <laughs> Lay hold of that today, Lord. <laughs> we are a candidate for receiving mercy, right? His compassions fail not. So Lord, we look to you for the service. We ask you, Lord, to uh, lead us and guide us, Father. Ask you for your divine care and covering uh, on the group's fishing, Lord. We do ask you, Lord, to be watchful of, of our people there, Lord, in the river. Um, we ask you, Lord, that you would anoint us here today, Lord, as we gather our hearts together. In Jesus' name, amen.
God in the midst of a perverse generation. Allow us, Lord, to be your witnesses. Allow us, Lord God, to speak the truth. Allow us, O oh God, to seek your faith, Lord, in the midst of the, the darkness that surrounds us. We praise you, Lord God. We honor you. We love you, Lord God. Thank you, God. Let us be your people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Скажи, пускай они садятся, я бы и я заскучил. Я хотел петь номер. Давайте мы споем Эвену Шалом Алейхем. Эвен Шалом Алейхем. Але Алейхем, Алехим из Хотим много хорошо жить, но за все это мы дадим отчет перед Богом. И много об этом идет песня. Да, я... 
morning. Turn to Galatians chapter 6. Some of the things I had to say will uh, go along with what Brother Barry shared a couple days ago, which was very good. Baker, who's probably only the older people remember him, who was the had the PTL uh, television program, and then got in trouble financially and went downhill after that. Um, you know, I think there's a. I read his book. Uh, Joel Joel De, De Gloria had a copy of the book. He and I were at Service Master together. The book was called, appropriately, I Was Wrong, yes. uh, <laughs> which is a good phrase some of us uh, are becoming familiar with, uh, and others should. Uh, he was talking about their early days and their television, family, community, uh, working together, how in the mornings before they would get ready to go on the air, everybody would gather for a prayer time. Didn't matter if you were the janitor or the camera operator, or who you were, everybody gathered. And from that uh, mode of operation to the last days of operation where they had to raise something like a million dollars a day to stay on the air, and then they had a hotel and an amusement center and all that. that anyway, it was a mess at the end. Anyway, I've always remembered one thing that Jim Baker said when he went to prison. Uh, he says, if your faith doesn't work in prison, there's something wrong with your faith. There's not something wrong with the prison. <laughs> though there may be, uh, but if it doesn't work, and I was thinking about that, about all of us, if our faith doesn't work in our community, in our relationship, in our husbands and wives and our children and each other and those that we work with and those that serve us and those that we serve, if it's not working there, there's something wrong with it. Uh, we're not connecting somewhere. Uh, there are better ways to live if we don't want to connect with Christ. Um, I liked uh, one thing Ann Landers said. I think she probably wasn't the first one to say it, but uh, though money doesn't buy happiness, it does afford a much wider variety of miseries. gives you some choices that you may not have otherwise. In Galatians 6, start in verse 7. Be not deceived, 
God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And this is what I was thinking of this morning. We need to guard. Let us not be weary in well-doing. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have, therefore, opportunity, which we have every day, as we have opportunity, let us do good unto all men. All men. Especially unto them who are of the household of faith. You know, and we've heard the uh, scriptures about how it's foolish to say we love God and hate our brother. It seems very inconsistent, inconceivable that we would think that way. Some of it, some of the living together is to show us where our thinking is wrong. Uh, as Brother Barry pointed out, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Uh, what we rehearse all day long in our head that comes out in our behavior eventually. God is merciful and gives us, uh, I would say, more goodness than we deserve. Uh, and we'll look at that in a little bit too. If you turn over to Romans chapter 10. further I go, the more I think the only thing that really would disqualify us is quitting. It's just stopping. Where do you go after that? You know, it said all sin can be forgiven except for blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. You know, and I've really pondered that, what that could mean. And I likened it to this. If you were going through the wilderness and you had a guide, and he was the only one that knew the way through the wilderness. I like this line from a movie. This guy was getting ready to take a bunch of people through a wilderness situation. He says, if you do exactly what I say, you probably won't die. <laughs> anyway, if the guide is the only one that knows the way through this wilderness, and we reject him, where do you go after that? You have no help. Uh, anyway. Romans 10 and verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. And I would say that was true of us. You know, I told Brother Bill, you know, we did protesting and flag washing and prophesying and all that kind of stuff. And 
he seemed like he was kind of embarrassed about it. I said, I don't feel embarrassed about it. I think we had a zeal, but not in accordance with knowledge. <laughs> I think Moses had a zeal. He had a real zeal. And I think the zeal God put in there. But it wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't yoked with knowledge. Brother Fred Vanderhoof used to say that history might have been different if he hadn't left that big, big toe sticking up out of the sand. Uh, and the matter became known. So, uh, his instincts were right, but it took quite a bit more dealing before God really used him to do what he wanted to do, which should give us some patience with ourselves and with one another. For I bear them record, they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. The righteousness of God isn't something that we earn or we deserve, but it's something that we submit ourselves to. And we get an opportunity every day to submit ourselves to the righteousness of God. You can't do enough, you can't serve enough. Uh, Martha was very busy. Mary didn't look like she was doing her part. Sometimes things don't look fair because they're not, but they are just. Um, She was willing to do a lot of things, but not to submit herself. And that could be a danger to us as well. Verse 5, For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth these things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thy heart, Who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend? into the deep, that is to bring Christ up again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee. We've heard this for many years, but it's no less true today than it was when we first heard it. The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. It's right there. Life and death are in the power of the tongue what we rehearse, what we speak. It says, what a great, we've got a lot of smoke. It says, what a great forest is set aflame by a little spark. There are many things that I would not have said if I knew what it was going to do. And if I knew the fruit that would come out of it. Um, but we don't always see the end of that matter. Uh, you know, when there was, several years ago, there was a big fire, I think it was in Houston, Alaska, many homes were lost. It all started with a guy using a little angle head grinder to sharpen a shovel. And it was so hot and so dry, a little spark came off the grinder and set a 
he tried to put it out was not successful. And I don't know the number of homes that were lost, but many, many. Uh, just from one little spark, one little thing that, that was not his intention. But if he had it to do over again, I think he would have found a different place to sharpen his shovel. I think if we had to do over again, we would do, redo some things ourselves where we've hurt life and death and the power of the tongue. We've hurt one another, wounded one another. Yeah. Uh, and those really are wounds. Whether somebody reacts externally or internally, uh, it's no less wounding if we aren't careful uh, with one another. <coughs> Where were we here? All right, thank you. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's what we should be using our tongues for confessing uh, unto salvation. Over in Ephesians chapter 2, look at that for a minute. Ephesians 2 and verse 1. For you hath he quickened, which were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our own conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. But God, two of the most important words in the whole Bible, all that, but God, we'd still be doing what we were doing if it wasn't for but God. And God used different but gods to get us where we are. You think of it sometimes. I enjoyed the other evening, Brother Barry. We moved up here in 86, and I guess you were here in 85. So we never really got to know you the way some of the other folks here did. But I'll, I'll sit around for hours and hear stories of the early days and the communities and all that kind of stuff. When I was at uh, Bowen's Mill one time, I was staying with Norman and Sherry McKenzie when they lived on the convention site. And Brother Purcell Colwell, the tapes ministry man from Tumbling Shoals, Arkansas, uh, lived right across the driveway. And I said, I'll, I'll be back in a few minutes. I want to go over and see Brother Purcell. They all laughed. <laughs> 
He said, nobody goes to see Brother Purcell for a few minutes. <laughs> About two hours later, I came back, uh, and we could have visited longer, talking about the early days. All the trouble God went to, though it's no trouble to him, all the effort that God went to to gather this people, if you think about it, that we'd be right here, right now, today, uh, doing what we're doing. God took a lot of effort to put all this together, which nobody could have put together uh, apart from God. Nobody would have thought of that. I never thought of moving to Alaska, for instance. Although with all this hot weather, I was talking about maybe exploring a place in Barrow <laughs> to spend the summers. I'm not a fan of the hot weather, but I do like it for drying the hay and growing our crops. And so they soak it up. We talked about air conditioning in the past. I said the best thing is just soak it up. It'll soon enough be 40 below. You'll be longing, be longing for those 85 degree days again. Uh, just enjoy it while it's here. Keep getting lost here. Four, thank you. Okay, I was in the wrong chapter. Here we go. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And has raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, unless you had any other plans for the future, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness. I've got a hat my son and granddaughter got me for Father's Day. It says two words, be kind. I need to put a little mirror on the brim there so I... Be kind. Man, I'm working on it. I'm asking God. Not to be a better me, but to hide so you don't see me, but you see Christ. And that is a very real need for all of us. Uh, we've seen enough of me, and I've seen enough of you, that now we should see Christ in one another. This is God's work. You know what? It's interesting. It says, when all this is done, It'll be said, this is the Lord's doing. Yeah. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Not what I did. Who was it? Uh, John Cheever coined the phrase, the well-oiled machine. The community being a well-oiled machine, which just shows that he hadn't spent enough time here. Uh, <laughs> 
But then I was reading, huh? Somebody say, okay. But then I was reading about the team on an airliner. Frequently, they said the, about the worst pilots are the former fighter pilots, or uh, not fighter pilots, uh, test pilots. They're about the worst pilots. Because everything that made them a good test pilot, independence, make a decision, call it on the line, fly by the seat of your pants sometimes. They're ex sometimes aircraft that have never been off the ground before, and they're taking it up there and seeing what it'll do. They have to make a decision now or suffer the consequences. They said they make some of the worst airline pilots. Not that they aren't skilled at flying, but what they're not skilled at is working with the co-pilot. And the rest of the team are on a three-pilot three uh, program. You have the engineer that tries to keep everything going the way it should go. Now mostly they're two-person teams up in the cockpit. But what can make you so successful in one arena can be your downfall in a different setting. They said one of the, one of the mistakes that's often made when they get into a situation where they're in trouble in the air is they're, all, they're both problem solving. We've got to get this fixed. And what they frequently forget to do is to keep flying the airplane. <laughs> They get so absorbed with all the exigencies that are going on and why this is doing that and all the other things and oh yeah, all the while it won't do us any good if we go into the ground. Uh, and the airlines have put a lot of training and effort and money into getting them to be a team. Hear one another. Often the, the co-pilot will may have lesser experience, may be younger, and he may have the word of the Lord. Uh, I've been working with Isaac some. He's younger than me by a good bit. He's 11. I thought he was older than 11, but he's only 11. Um, which means we might be able to keep him for a while. Um, <laughs> But sometimes he'll see something that I don't see. And if you say, well, I'm in charge here. Uh, okay, go ahead and be in charge. Sometimes he'll see something uh, that I don't see. Sometimes you'll see something that I don't see. Uh, and if we're not willing to listen and hear one another, uh, we'll miss the cue that God may be giving us. Verse 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. There will be no boasting if we're part of what God puts together. Mm -hmm. It won't be. They said this man in the church was very humble. So they had a little pin, a little badge made for him for his humility. 
said they had to take it away because he wore it. Uh, and that was... Okay. Can't win sometimes. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Verse 10. This, remind us of this, though you already know it. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath for, before ordained that we should walk in them. What you're to walk in is already foreordained. It's already in the mind of God. Uh, all we've got to do is walk in it. That's, uh, that's a, quite a promise right there. You don't have to figure it all out beforehand. Don't have to become frustrated with why it's not going the way you think it should be going. We used to mock saying, well, you should be further along by now. Well, Paul kind of said that. He said, by this time, you ought to be teachers and you still have need to learn again the basic principles. So anyway, I was kind of making a case for being further along by now. But we get further along when we walk in what he's ordained for us. And we waste a lot of time, a lot of years, a lot of weeks, months, days, when we try to walk in something else or make our own way. You know, so many times we try to make our own way and we miss what God has for us, which is much better. What God puts together stays together. So, it's one thing I've noticed about God. When he does something, he does it right. Brother Stevens used to say the wheels of God, the mill of God's wheels grind slow, but they grind exceeding fine. Looks like sometimes nothing's happening, but God's looking for a different product, maybe a finer product than what we're expecting. Over in uh, Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18, verse 18. Verse 18 says, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done of them of my Father which is in heaven. These are words in red, so it's coming in good authority. Two or three agreed. Sometimes that's one of the greater works, I think. Yeah. It's yes. getting two or three to agree. <laughs> but you know, one thing I've noticed over the years, if the two or three are all willing to submit themselves to what God's doing, it doesn't usually take too long to get your heads together. If one or two of the three or all three of the three even, have an agenda 
there's something in it for them, or they got already a preformed idea of how it ought to go. Uh, it's very difficult to get the two or three to be of one mind. Two or three of you agree on earth is touching anything they shall ask and it will be done for them. Verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times. Jesus said, saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times. I think Peter thought that was quite a stretch. Seven times was quite a stretch. but unto seventy times seven. Therefore, the king, therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon one that was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. That's serious. Not only for him, but for his family. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved, moved with compassion, and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Keep in mind, too, how much we've been forgiven. Put yourself in this or it won't mean anything. The Lord of the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him all his debt. And, but the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, and laid hands on him and took him by the throat. That's a good graphic description of activity. Took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not. But he went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, which our fellow servants frequently see what is being done, they said there was a Baptist church the guy was visiting, and he said he after church, the deacons were on the back porch smoking cigarettes. And uh, the guy went out and said, oh, he says, you guys must be teachers here, huh? So, oh, no, we're not teachers here. He said, well, you're teaching all these kids something when they come out the door right there. And we are teachers. We're all teachers. We're all teaching something. We're all professors. We're all professing something. Be careful what we're professing. So when his servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, forgive them, I forgave them all this that debt, because thou desirest me an important line too. 
Shouldest thou not have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. And there are plenty of opportunities around here for forgiveness. I mean, every day. Uh, sometimes we offend without even intending to. Um, but there's plenty of room for forgiveness. Especially if, when we comprehend how much we've been forgiven. That should really break our hearts. See how patient God has been with me. I would have got it rid of me a long time ago. Uh, but God is long-suffering, patient, kind. Let's uh, over to Matthew chapter 6. Back a few pages. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 7. Again, more words in red here. Well, that was another thing uh, I'd referred to Jim Baker. One thing he did, he took a period of time when he was in prison and only read the, read, only read the red words in his Bible. <laughs> Trying to familiarize himself with what Jesus thought was important. Verse 7, But when you pray, use not vain repetitions, as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. After this manner, Therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now, I've always thought it was interesting that out of all that's covered in that prayer, the only thing that Jesus thought really needed to be explained further, emphasized, uh, pointed out for its importance, is in verse 14 and 15. For if you forgive men, their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive men not, if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's pretty clear. You know, it sounds good, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
That sounds pretty good. But when I need to forgive you and you need to forgive me, that's where their too bad Sister Betty isn't here. Rubber hits the road. Uh, that's where it really counts. Right here. Right where we live. It's not surprising that God deals us right deals with us right where we live. Where else would he deal with us? Huh? Okay, let's finish up in Second Peter chapter three. I think this is a pertinent question. Probably always has been, but seems to be more so as God is summing up an age. Second Peter 3, verse 11. Seeing then that all these things... Well, let's jump back to verse 10. I hate doing that in case anybody's taking notes messes up your notes. I say, why don't they make up their mind? <laughs> then you get to forgive them. <laughs> Verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Verse 11, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. And everything, it seems like, is being dissolved that we had, might have had occasion to trust in. Governments. And on any level that you want to look at it on. Things that we might have trusted in are being dissolved with fervent heat. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Verse 12, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, hopefully this is us today, we, according to his promise, Look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. I'm looking for that. We're not satisfied with this country. We're looking for a better country. Uh, and we have opportunity today to do good to all men, especially to those of the household of faith. And I'm sure we will each and all of us have an opportunity to do that. And I told somebody the other day that uh, I'm not in your test, but one thing I do know is every decision you make in this test is of eternal consequence. We don't always realize that. We're in it. Sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. Uh, but God has reminded me several times this importance of how we speak, the importance of our forgiveness, the importance of every decision that we make, even when it looks impossible, 
it has eternal consequence. Amen. Okay. And thank you for your accordion. That was beautiful. church at 7.30 on Saturday morning, so we appreciate you making the effort. Uh, beautiful accordion and singing. The, uh, one, of the main, one group that got all kinds of attention um, from the Lord Jesus, well, a couple groups, was the scribes and Pharisees. They, they, um, they really got a lot of input. And you have to step back and figure that God must have loved the Pharisees and scribes to give them that much attention. He didn't love their works or their deeds, but he must have loved them. Um, you know, really the whole premise of the gospel is that while we were enemies, Christ died. That was the whole premise. That is a kind of a love, and Tom read it, I believe, God commended his love toward us. And it's a kind of love without reciprocation. God acts on the basis of his nature, which is love, without any guarantee of return. Of course, God has foreknowledge and does know who will return, but as the pattern in the Bible is, it's generally a small remnant. And then they use another word called residue. So... <clears throat> the morning residue. But the scribes and Pharisees got a lot of attention <clears throat> because of the love of God, but what God was really after, and it's what Tom's, I, I mean, I don't know I say, what Tom's main point is today, was what I got, my, the main point I got, was that this faith must work in the life that we now live. Right? Uh, because the gospel is not uh, an event necessarily, although there's been major events. But it's not an event. It was never intended of God for it to be one event. And it was never intended of God for it to be knowledge and information. But there's a lot of information that goes along with it. I, we, this place has been here for 40 years. And... Um, some of us have been believers for 50 or whatever and, and listening to information for a long time. Actually, many times you can quote back and you know what the, the minister is going to say, right? Um, <clears throat> and you know because we've heard a lot of information, but God's intention was never for information to or knowledge to puff you up. And that's why he was always giving the Pharisees and scribes so much attention because he, he said, uh, they have information, but don't do what they do. And Tom's point is that our faith 
must work in our in the, in our life, yes. and that's always been God's intention. It it's not been a a code of beliefs, though we have a belief system. It's not been just doctrine, though we have doctrine and there is sound doctrine. It's always been God's intention to have a life working in the believer. And for all of us, it's not any old life, it's not any kind of life, it's the life of God. And when it talks about Jesus in Hebrews 1, it says, He was the brightness of His glory and the express image. And the express image is the very character and nature of God. <clears throat> the very character and nature of God we know is love. And there's a process by which we go through uh, where God brings us into the condition where we say, Lord, this is impossible. Isn't that why you live together? I mean, I know we live together because it was a spiritual thing to do, but the reality is it was a discovery of the impossibility for you to bring forth the kind of love and life that was demanded of you by individuals, right? That's why the incompatibility argument really has holes in it. Because some days I've discovered over the last 35, 40 years that I'm not compatible with anybody else in the room unless they agree with me. And the love of God transcends above all that. And so, the work of God uh, in all of us is to get us into the condition where we say, God, I must have you again today. I must be under the influence of the Spirit of Grace influencing this heart so that my life can be an expression of your life. Christ isn't a stamped out sameness this is a distinct Christ in all of our hearts that comes out of each one of us in a variety of ways. And when we see it, isn't it beautiful when it's expressed? So God is delivering every single one of us from a vain imagination and bringing us into the condition where there's an actual life that's working here and is seen. And so God help us because we all know that with men, this is impossible. But with God, and I appreciated what Tom said, he's been crying out to God for kindness because he has made the discovery like a bunch of us that we can't pull this off. That was the great thing about the scribes and Pharisees. They had a zeal but no knowledge. They, have, they didn't submit themselves to the righteousness of God, which is by faith. And that's exactly what we're seeking to do. Lord, I need you again today. Increase my faith. That this can be an actual life that is now lived. One of the great things that Paul said, the life I now live. <laughs> the life I now live. <laughs> I live by faith. So God help every single one of us to be the real thing, the express image of what God intended from the very beginning. Okay, so thank you, Tom. Thank you all.